everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck it is you end up listening to this. Me? I'm doing okay. My wife is out of town on a business trip right now, which it just occurs to me is a very grown-up sentence. And you know what they say. Well, the cat's away, the mouse will have trouble sleeping and miss the cat. That's a kind of weird old saying. I like that in the context of that metaphor, the cat and the mouse got married to each other. That's nice. Gotta be a difficult marriage in a lot of ways. I'm glad they're able to make it work. Good for them. I bet family reunions are pretty difficult, though. Anyway, we got a comic book to discuss, so without any further ado, let's uh do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Devin Tuhey. On your wedding registry, you might ask for a whisk, but the real discerning couple wants a synopsis. Synopsis. New Teen Titans, number 36, November 1983. Feedback. Written by Marv Wolfman, drawed by Keith Pollard, inked by Romeo Tangal, lettered by John Costanza and Todd Klein, colored by Adrienne Roy, and edited by Len Wein. Teen Titan Roll Call. Raven, Terra, Cyborg, Robin, Starfire, Beast Boy, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and featuring Thunder and Lightning. Previously in the New Teen Titans. A few months ago, our titular teenagers encountered a pair of super-powered siblings named Thunder and Lightning. Thunder, or Gan, was super strong and super loud, while his brother, Lightning, or Tavis, perhaps unsurprisingly, had lightning powers. These deadly forces welled up inside the destructive duo, and if they did not exercise them regularly, it caused them great pain. Tavis and Gan's mom was a Vietnamese woman who was impregnated by an American soldier who, shortly after his biological role in the baby-making was concluded, skedaddled back to the States. After the soldier departed, his paramour got kicked out of her village and ended up on a magic island named Hsuan, where she gave birth to conjoined twins and named them Gan and Tavis. A local wizard used his magic to separate the two twins. As they grew, it became apparent that the boys had superpowers, which was cool, but also that an unfortunate side effect of the powers was that they would eventually kill the boys, which wasn't so cool. The wizard who magically bisected the brothers informed them that if they could track down their absentee dad and get their hands on some of his blood, it might cure their deadly disorder. The problematically powered pair set off to the States to pilfer their pop's plasma. They soon ran afoul of the Titans, and the two teams tussled, largely because Gan and Tavis's search technique consisted almost entirely of going to a new town, yelling at people, and blowing stuff up. Our heroes managed to subdue their fraternal foes long enough for Donna to get some exposition on the tempestuous twin's elusive dad from an army contact she had cultivated. Turned out Walter Williams wasn't just an American soldier in Vietnam, he was also a scientist conducting top-secret genetic research on himself and others. That sounds ethical. Upon returning to the States, he went into hiding until recently when his lab in Maine exploded. When Wonder Girl informs the bewildered brothers of their father's fate, she heavily implies that Williams died in the accident. Strangely, the news of their father's demise seems to have had a soporific effect on the bereaved brothers. Deciding that since blood wizardry was no longer an option, they may as well try some science. Gan and Tavis turned themselves over to Star Labs to see if the researchers there could find a cure for their calamitous condition. But unbeknownst to the becalmed brothers, Wonder Girl had intentionally misled them. Walter Williams was alive, and a wanted criminal. Gadzooks! 
How will Thunder and Lightning react to finding out their supposedly six feet under sire was still subsisting? Have we heard the last of the brother's blood wizard buddy? And in addition to being a soldier, a research scientist, a felon, and possibly a 1990s NBA journeyman shooting guard, although I suppose it's possible that's a different Walt Williams, does Gan and Tavis's elusive father have any other surprising pastimes? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so it happens off panel, but they're surprisingly chill about it. Unfortunately, yes. And oh goodness does he ever. The Titans swing by Star Labs to check in on their frenemies Gan and Tavis and see how their treatment is progressing. Well, it turns out that how their treatment is progressing is... not good. A scientist named Dr. Clyburn has the twins chained up to one of those Frankenstein tables and is about to zap them in the chest with a laser. Cyborg asks if Clyburn has learned anything, and she responds, Well, I've learned that they hate getting shot with lasers. Doesn't seem to have any positive effect on their terminal condition, and it hurts the shit out of them. Anyway, I'm just going to keep blasting them with bigger and bigger lasers, because <laughs> I'm out of ideas. Oh, science. Raven senses the pain that Thunder and Lightning are in, and worries that it might trigger her empathic powers and cause her to have a breakdown that would allow her demonic father Trigon to climb out of her soul's bird-shaped avatar and destroy the planet. So she goes off to take a nap in the lobby. Man, I get that in most ways it must really suck to have a megacidal evil dad that lives in your soul bird's tummy, but it must be nice to have an excuse to take a little snooze whenever you want. The rest of the Titans express concern for their teammate and her demon dad-induced drowsiness. Well, most of the Titans. Wally thinks to himself, Raven is super duper evil and is gonna kill everybody. And also, she refused to be my girlfriend. That's why I'm glad I quit this team. Dude, first and foremost, fuck you. And B, you quit the team like three months ago. Go home. That's how quitting works. Dr. Clyburn readies her medical-grade laser cannon. Starfire asks what the device is supposed to do, and the good doctor just kind of shrugs and goes, I don't know, science? and proceeds to blast away. Shockingly, the results are less than ideal. When the laser beam hits the trussed-up twins, they instinctively absorb all of its power, which for some reason causes all the computers to blow up. Whoops! Being caught in the explosion activates the storm-themed super-siblings' powers. It also pisses them off. Unable to control their destructive impulses, thunder and lightning attack the titans. A regular Donnybrook ensues and everybody fights everybody for a few pages. It's mostly just punches and kicks and stuff, but at one point, both Gar and Coriander get electrified and their hair frizzes out like someone rubbed like a million balloons on their heads. So, that was fun. In the nearby lobby, the titanic tussle rouses Raven from her supposedly therapeutic siesta. The Azerathian empath broods to herself, It sounds like everybody is fighting everybody again. Violence is stupid and dumb, and I would hate it if I could allow myself to feel emotions other than sadness. But also, part of me is super duper into it, which sucks and will probably make my dad pop out and say hi, which would be embarrassing and apocalyptic. Oh, teenagers. While Raven was brooding, the adjacent adolescent altercation appears to have abated as abruptly as it had ensued. The avian-themed enchantress rejoins her teammates and offers to employ her magical nonsense powers on behalf of the beleaguered brothers to help find their dad. Raven's fellow titans try to talk her out of it on account of the whole demonic father who lives in her soul tummy thing, but the Azerathian teen is resolute, declaring that she feels that her eventual corruption is inevitable, so she must do as much good work as she can while she is still herself. It's a really nice bittersweet moment. 
until Wally ruins it. Raven asks the junior wizard of Wiz what he thinks about her decision, and the sulky speedster responds, Why are you asking me? I don't care. I think you suck, and I don't care about you at all. Not even a little. No siree. Do whatever you want, because I am totally and genuinely apathetic. And then he runs and hides in a closet and cries. Apparently taking Wally's professed vehement indifference at face value, Raven readies herself to mystically aid Thunder and Lightning in their search for their furtive father. And just where has the aforementioned Mr. Williams been this whole time? Why, he's been held captive by a nefarious organization dedicated to furthering their own evil ambitions. And, judging from their name, ranking spicy poops. That's right. The hierarchy of international vengeance and eliminations is back. Hive has Walt locked up in a super secure plexiglass terrarium. They chat amongst themselves that their possession of him is the secret to their villainous success. A frantic Mr. Williams pleads with his captors to be released so that he can search for his sons, slamming his enormous tentacles against the wall of his cell as he does so. Wait, tentacles? Yeah, more on that later. Back at Star Labs, Raven has entreated the young Williams brothers to step inside of her bird-shaped avatar and hang out in the dark emptiness of her soul dimension, which she thinks will help for some reason. They hop on in. Only as soon as the sire-seeking siblings step into her soul self, Raven's powers start going haywire. Her soul avatar transforms from its usual giant bird shape into a writhing tentacled mass that starts lashing out at her teammates. Hmm, tentacles again. That's... Probably not a coincidence. Hearing the cries of distress from the closet where he's been crying and writing poems about how much he totally doesn't care about Raven, Kid Flash rushes in and is like, Raven, I know you somehow might have gotten the impression that I don't care about you, but I totally believe in you and I know you can beat this thing. Apparently, the wildly inconsistent and capricious support of Wallace West is all that Raven needed. After hearing his self-contradicting words of support, the overwhelmed empath gets her shit together. Her soul self pukes up thunder and lightning and returns to its normal bird shape. Hooray! Gan and Tavis explain that the monster our titular titan struggled against was their father, and while he was taking over Raven's soul avatar, he telepathically blasted a metaphoric fire hose of exposition all over his natural disaster-themed offspring. Now that they know where their pop is being kept, the Williams brothers ask the titans if they can go get a lift to pick him up. Our heroes agree, and the ten costumed teens pile into the titan jet. Apparently there weren't any great films available, so for their in-flight entertainment, our protagonists select an exposition dump from Gannon Tavis about their dad. Remember how Walter Williams was a scientist doing genetic research, and that's how his kids got their powers? Well, never mind that. It turns out, he was a thousand-year-old space alien. Oh. Okay. About 600 years ago, he stashed his spaceship in a cave in Cambodia, changed himself into human shape, and went on an extended walkabout. Then in the 60s, he decided he had left some stuff in his ship that he wanted, so he disguised himself as a soldier, went to Vietnam, snuck over the border, and went to retrieve his space sunglasses or whatever. Only during the interceding six centuries, he had forgotten that he booby-trapped his ride. A powerful laser zapped the shit out of him. And if there's one thing the Williams boys hate... It's getting shot with lasers. Dazed and badly injured, he staggered back through the jungle into Vietnam and rejoined the group of soldiers he had previously infiltrated. Then he met Gannon Tavis's mom and knocked her up. 
he didn't know she was prego when he headed back to the States. Then somehow those spicy poop-ranking jerkholes of Hive found him and kept him locked up for the past 20 years. Our heroes arrive at Hive's secret base, Kool-Aid man their way through the wall, and start punching the crud out of anonymously robed poop-rankers. Hooray! Then Hive unleashes their secret weapon, Walter Williams himself. Turns out, Hive is able to somehow control the unlucky space alien and makes him fight the Titans and his sons. In his natural form, the extraterrestrial Mr. Williams is, well, he's really something. He's a giant green one-eyed monster with tusks and tentacles and a giant tail and an exposed brain in a bowl right between his shoulder blades, which has got to be difficult to reach if that brain in a bowl gets itchy, so I guess it's a good thing he's got those tentacles. I guess Tavis and Gan are pretty lucky that being a green one-eyed monster with tusks and tentacles and a giant tail and an exposed brain in a bowl right between their shoulder blades is apparently a recessive trait, or at least matrilineal. Walt tells his boys that they should leave and that he doesn't want to fight them, but he has no choice. When Thunder and Lightning refuse to flee, the elder Mr. Williams, against his will, starts beating the living shit out of them and the Titans. Robin tries for a fun little stunt where he covers up Walt's giant eye with a cape, but seeing as Walt's a telepath, blindfolding him doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. The reluctantly rampaging alien is about to smush his assorted teenage opponents to death, but he is briefly able to break the mental hold Hive has over him. He telepathically begs his sons to kill him so that his captors can't keep making him do bad shit. Tearfully, Gan and Tavis comply. They combine their powers and with a deafening roar unleash a thunderbolt that kills their space alien father. With his final breath, the being known as Walter Williams thanks his sons. So, happy Father's Day! Our heroes snag a couple of pints of the late Mr. Williams' blood and fly it and the newly self-orphaned brothers back to Star Labs where the scientists are able to pry themselves away from zapping tied-up teenagers with lasers long enough to concoct a cure for the patricidal pair of weather-themed warriors. A newly healthy Gan and Tavis bid a fond farewell to our heroes and head back to the mystical island of Hasuan to have a very awkward conversation with their mother about her ex-boyfriend. Hey, it does occur to me that the NBA player named Walt Williams was nicknamed the Wizard. You don't think. Nah. Unless... And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It is sunny and blue-skied outside, and that is a real lift to the spirits. A real jolt in the arm. Is that a... No, that's okay. not a thing. Okay. But it's nice out. Right. So, what'd you think of this issue? Oh boy. As always, beautifully drawn. Uh-huh. Lots of detail mm -hmm. in the drawings. A little bit confused about some of the finer points of how science is coming into play and space-time and dimensions and aliens and weather patterns. There's a lot I don't know enough about. Yeah, and there's a lot of inconsistencies in what had been previously established in this storyline, I feel like. Mm. Like, this comic book doesn't make a ton of sense. And that's not always a deal breaker for me, but there are aspects of it that I found kind of frustrating. You mentioned the artwork. The artwork, I really enjoyed it. It is, once again, Keith Pollard and not 
George Perez. He is doing a bang-up job. He's doing a bang-up job, and really, once again, the kind of continuity in the artwork that Romeo Tangal as the inker brings to it, really noticeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool-looking stuff. There are definitely panels where you can tell, just like, oh, George Perez wouldn't do that, but that's kind of fun, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. We talked about the fact that it doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that didn't make a ton of sense to you? Well, I like the way that it starts off with the bedside manner, as it were, of the doctor slash scientist lady. Boy, that is some bad science. I know if I'm getting <laughs> operated on, what I want to hear is somebody's like, wait, how does that work? And the doctor says, well, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Was that the literal line? No, she said, you know as much about this as I do. (laughs) Which is actually worse, I think. Yeah, I think so. Man, that is just (laughs) some bad science. As near as I can tell, their plan is, well, we don't really know what to do or how to cure these people. So we're shooting them with lasers, which seems to hurt them a lot and doesn't seem to be helping at all. So our next step is, I guess, bigger lasers? No, I think the next step is like, oh, we should put them outside because they're going to blow up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's after really they shoot them with the bigger lasers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what they're even trying to accomplish. And clearly they don't either. But I did enjoy the fact that Starfire at least has a lot of confidence in them because, and I quote. Well, this is the purple ray, I, right? I'm sure it will work. I know what science is capable of doing. <laughs> Right. Just that kind of blind faith. Oh, well, they said science. Science works. So therefore, this will work. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is the Purple Ray. They're at Star Labs, not not on Paradise Island. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense now because I was like, wait, this is canonically the Purple Ray can do nothing wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're just using regular lasers. (laughs) Oh, those, that's so dumb. (laughs) I know. Purple Ray. That's the way to go with that shit. Okay, so we got two guys that are uncontainable vessels of great electrical and otherwise crazy powers. Right, but their powers are killing them. So what do we do? Shoot them with a really big laser. Yeah. Okay. And when we notice that it just hurts them, shoot them with a bigger laser. What could go wrong? Well, really surprisingly, not all that much. I mean, Thunder and Lightning, as had been established in their previous episode, in my mind are kind of just... A metaphor for puberty. (laughs) Mm. They get these urges that build up inside of them. And then they just need to release them, even though they think they probably shouldn't. And maybe it's an inappropriate time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe they're going to get called to the front of class. (laughs) Yeah. They don't want to go do that math problem up on the board for whatever reason. But immediately after they do, then they have a refractory period where they're pretty reasonable. (laughs) And so that's kind of what happens. They get shot with the laser, their powers overcharge, and then they're just like, oh, gotta release my powers all over the place. And then they fight. And they, they do. And so they fight the Teen Titans for no apparent reason. And then it's like Wolfman was just like, well, I'm tired of writing a fight scene, so I guess the fight's over. And they just calm down and stop fighting after they've been fighting for three pages. Mm-hmm. Then they just sit down and talk. Yep. There were aspects of their previous appearance, which was only four issues ago. It's not like this is like years ago and there's been tons of time to just kind of forget or fudge over some of the specifics that just what is happening in the story does not match with it at all. It's not just like Wolfman hadn't 
written that previous issue, it seemed as though he hadn't really read it. I feel like I've brought that point up before, but just with things like Thunder and Lightning's dad has been held captive by the spicy poop rankers, uh, Hive, for 20 years. But the last time they showed up, they were tracking him down all around the country and his lab had blown up. And, like, just throw in a sentence, like, when he's captured by Hive, say something like, that clone we had impersonating him for the army did these things. Or something. But it's just like it hadn't happened. Not only that, but that they set him up to be this really integral part of the Hive organization. The thing that sets them apart from any other, like, run-of-the-mill yeah. criminal organization is that they've got this guy that we'll talk about later locked yeah. up in their uh, the, their prison. space basement. Yeah. Space basement. Wait, I guess probably Earth is the space basement. Whoa. Yeah. But that is where they're keeping him. Basement has in, indicates that there's a, <laughs> an up and a down, though. Oh, man. Don't get all saggin' on me. <laughs> oh, wow. that's Thank you. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Well, you're welcome. Now, don't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, they've got him locked up there. Mm-hmm. In the basement. In, in the space basement. Mm -hmm. Or Earth, as it were. <laughs> Very important to keep him locked up. But, what do they need to go talk to? They're like, the Hive boss says we gotta go talk to um, Mr. Williams. Yeah. Which but I think it, it's funny that they keep calling him that. And the guys who have to go talk to him are super bummed, because they're like, but the boss doesn't know like what he's like when he gets mad. Yeah. And they also, like, he's this crazily, like almost Trigon level of power that this dude has. But these, like, three Hive guys just go in a room with him. They're like, look, man, we can't let you out. Sorry. And and he's like, well, please. Fine. <laughs> he's, very, he's polite. He's like, please let me out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're in there with you. You could probably just kill those dudes. Take the keys and yeah. go for a joyride. Yeah. Or, like, pretend you're sick. Get them to come in there with the keys, and then they leave the door open, mm -hmm. and then you carve yourself a gun out of some soap, mm -hmm. and then uh, you got a hostage, mm -hmm. and then uh, prison break. Just, there's so many ways. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Mr. Williams. Bad job. <laughs> Bad job all around. <laughs> and are you supposed to be, I guess, should we just talk about it? Yeah. So, 600 years ago, you came to the Earth in a spaceship, you left it in a cave in Vietnam, when like you do. Did some stuff. Right. Came back later. <laughs> Went on walkabout. Found your ship. Oops, I booby-trapped it. It blew oh, everything geez. up. This is embarrassing. I'm gonna go have a kid, have some twins. Yep. After that. But all this is done ostensibly in human form. Yeah. But the Mr. Williams that we meet is this crazy tentacle guy that we'll get into details about as, we, as the story unfolds. Sure. What is his... So he's from outer space, so he's probably this weird tentacle dude. Yeah. But... When, after, when he gets killed. After his kids kill him. Yeah. He turns from the tentacle dude back into a human. Which makes no sense. And we also don't see that human form that he turns back into. That all happens off panel as Robin just says like, Whoa, look at that crazy stuff that's happening over there. He's reverting to human form. Let's go take his blood. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> then they just like, uh, like, well, he's not using this I-Core or whatever it is. Mm. Yoink. <laughs> Uh, That's a weird blood transfusion sound effect. <laughs> it's very high tech. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing because it does seem like, okay, he's a space alien. He has two forms. One of them looks human. One of them is this crazy ass looking critter. Mm -hmm. 
you would assume that his true form is the weird-looking one, and then when he comes to Earth, he assumes human form. But it seems to be implying the opposite at the end, which is another thing about this that doesn't make any sense. My suspicion is, where all of that happens off-panel, that that was a last-minute rewrite. Because they're like, it's kind of dark that we made his kids murder him. So they have a throwaway line that seems to be trying to absolve them of any culpability. Oh, yes. I know what you're referring to. So after these twins killed their dad, Gan, or Thunder, says, We killed him. Yeah, good point. And Cyborg says, No, don't even think that. Sometimes there's things worse than dying. And Robin says, Look, he's changing, returning to human shape. You didn't kill him. You freed him. Mm. Well, at the very least, you also killed him, it seems like. Or he's just written out of the issue at that point, but he's fine and just somewhere else. Or he was reading some philosophy and he meant, like, freed from the mortal coil. Yeah, but, I mean, if that is what he means, then you did still also kill him. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter if he's a human right. or a whatever. Yeah, but I feel like that was a last minute, like, oh, that got pretty dark. We want people to still like these kids, even though it was, like, kind of self-defense or at least defending the Titans. And also during the fight, Mr. Williams says, Kids, you gotta murder me. Don't let them turn me into a killer. Okay, even if we discount the fact that he has been under hive control for 20 years and they have built their criminal empire using him, if we discount that, let's say that they didn't use him to kill anybody, which they almost certainly did. Before that, he was a soldier in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. He's probably at least kind of a killer. It seems like he has killed before, pretty likely. Mm. It just, it's weird and it didn't quite match up. The other thing that was a discarded plotline from the previous appearance of Thunder and Lightning was that last issue ended with Wonder Girl telling them that their dad was dead or heavily implying that their dad was dead. And that was why they gave themselves over to Star Lab. But in this, I think they even say something like, we thought he was dead for a while, but then we found out he wasn't. We're fine with that. It's such a weird discarding of that whole thing that had been established. It was kind of jarring. That being said, I didn't really mind it. It's just weird. A little bit of a soap opera feel. Yeah. Except for, like I said, I would have liked it if they had a couple of lines explaining away why Wolfman changed direction with it. Or just that he had. Rather than just like, well, let's pretend that didn't happen. I mean, if it had been like a year ago or two years ago or whatever, I get that. But this was like three issues ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So let's start talking about some of the individual titans in this issue. At the risk of redundancy, fucking Wally. Boo. I am so sick of this shit. He quit the team. Just go home, dude. He thinks he's trying to do the right thing by being a total dick to Raven. He's not. I don't feel like he thought he was even doing the right thing. I think he was just being a dick. And then he came back and tried to do the right thing after that. And I feel dumb even talking about this because it's the same thing that we've covered over and over again. He's like, I hate you. You're evil. I'm afraid of you. Your powers are bad. You're a bad person and I don't like you. And then like a page and a half later, he's like, you can do it. You can pull through this thing. I care about you so much. You're wonderful. Fucking knock it off, dude. Just knock it off. Also, you quit the team. Just go fucking home and carve your turkey. Yeah, go fight your dad. Yep, fight your dad. Carve your turkey. Carve your turkey. Be the leave man of the, the house. Leave me the fuck alone. 
sick of that <laughs> asshole. I don't want to spend that much more time on him. But when Raven is trying to figure out if she's going to use her powers or not, mm-hmm. he first thinks to himself, this is why I don't think he's trying to be a good dude. He's like, she's going crazy again, just like she did the other day. And when she finally flips out, she'll destroy us. Only the others refuse to see the truth, which is probably half the reason why I'm quitting. You're not quitting. You quit. Leave. Then, when she decides that she is going to use her powers, she's talking it over with her teammates, which is a responsible thing to do. And she's saying, well, I can. Please allow me to be what I am. Then she turns to Wally and says, You have not said anything. What do you think? And Wally goes, Do you care what I think, Raven? And she says, I do very much so. You do? Well, it's really a crying shame. Because I don't care what happens to you. And he storms out into the other room. And Donna, being the good grief counselor that she is, takes him aside and is like, Hey, hey, buddy. It's cool. You get to be a dick to Raven. It must have been very hard for you to be so much of a dick. Because he's crying a lot. Yeah. Ugh! I'm just gonna say it. I hate this version of Wally that Wolfman has been writing for the last 36 issues now. He's a dick, and he quit the team, so go home. Tell us how you really feel. I'm not crazy about him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the reason that I thought he was trying to help in his bad way of doing it yeah you thought it was like a end of harry and the hendersons thing where it's like just go nobody wants you here yes exactly exactly but when you look at harry's face (laughs) oh god you just crumble like how could i have been so cruel oh that's what's happening that's why donna goes and gives him a hug and he's like i'm sorry you're such a dick like i know it's hard i guess but you did see that he was also thinking that before so he wasn't just putting on that show for raven He's like, she's evil and she's going to destroy us. Yeah, I I, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but I don't want to be a, a Wally apologist here. Yeah, <laughs> I say fart noise. All right. That's what I say at Wally. Fair enough. D- okay. Double down. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. Raven. I think she does a good job in this issue. I do too. I was of two minds. One, don't do that because you could destroy everything with your sure. whole Trigon business. On the other hand, help your friends. And... Her justification of it in this issue makes so much more sense than in the others. Because you really get the impression from what she's saying that she has almost given up on the fact that she is going to be able to control her demonic bad dad and stop him from crawling out of her soul tummy forever. So what I got from her speech where she's... Let me help. Let my empathic powers reach into their souls. Let me learn if a cure for them exists within me. And Donna's like, no, no, don't do that. And she's like, yet because of what I am, I cannot sit idly by and allow them to suffer. I must do this. Please allow me this. It may be all that separates me from what I may become. Each day I find it more difficult to maintain control. And one day I will be unable to resist that all too powerful summon with which Trigon calls me. But well I can, please allow me to be what I am. So it's like she's saying this is inevitable. I am going to turn into Trigon, and I need you to stop me when I do. And by stop, I mean, think I think probably kill. Mm-hmm. So let me be who I am right now, and let me use my powers for good while I can. Let me get this last bit of good that I can do while I can do it. And I really appreciate that. It makes her choices make a lot more sense than the, like, when I use my powers then bad things might happen, so I'm going to try not to use my powers. Mm -hmm. And so I I liked that development, and I think she does a pretty good job. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm on the same page there. On the other hand, I feel so glad that I'm not part of a superhero gang because then heavy shit like this would come up. Yeah. If you were like, hey, Corey, I really got to mow the lawn, but it's probably going to kill everybody, so just sit up on the porch with that rifle. And if it looks like it's going to go bad, just, you know, one in the back of the head. I really do hate mowing the lawn. <laughs> I might just fake it halfway through. <laughs> You're like, all right. Sorry, buddy. You know, like, that's a lot to put yeah, on Yeah, it really is. I am always of the opinion. I feel like that comes up in zombie movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, where if you if you ever think I'm turning into a zombie, you gotta just kill me, man. Just do it. When zombie movies started being popular again a few years ago, I felt like I should probably sit down with most of my friends and just be like, if you ever think that I'm turning into a zombie, don't do shit. It is way more likely that you are fucked up and are mistaken. Mm. Then I am turning into a zombie. So just play it safe and don't shoot me, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll be okay. You often have to work late. And yeah. And that makes you... I'm, I'm sleepy sometimes. Sleepy. Sometimes I've had a little bit too much to drink. Mm-hmm. I do love to eat human brains. Uh... I, I mean, pizza. <laughs> don't, don't shoot Hub for eating pizza. Yeah. Just don't shoot Hub. I think that's a good rule. <laughs> that's, a good, that's your slogan. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We get elected on that. I hope so. A lot of single-issue voters out there. Yeah. And if that issue is not shooting me, well, then I am your candidate. Mm-hmm. Back to Raven. I don't really understand what happened. So she took, takes them inside of her soul self, and for some reason, while they're in her soul self, then Mr. Williams can reach out and contact his kids and telepathically exposition dump into their brains? Yes. Okay. Well, I guess I do understand. It is a weird concept because it suggests that there is this plane of existence or something that she taps into with her soul self where you can just mentally reach out and and find whoever you want. Maybe inside of her soul self is the land of imagination. Oh. (laughs) Anything can happen there, Corey. Take a look. Yeah, it's in a book. A reading rainbow. Oh. Let's move on. Beast Boy. He doesn't do shit. Not really much to talk about. He was very inoffensive. Yes. Largely because he did not speak or really act. He just kind of got hit in the head with a pipe. Yep. In the first fight, he says, Watch out, Vic. Two by four's coming at you. And then he gets electrical shocked. And then in the second fight, he gets knocked out with a uh, loose piece of shrapnel. That's Beast Boy. So, uh, who's next? Borgie. What do you think of Cyborg in this one? I was curious to get your thoughts on his bit of introspection about him and Sarah after the last issue where you were super bugged out by the fact that she was in that gnarly hostage situation and he was kind of tripping out on her relationship with the with Mark. Yeah. And that seemed super inappropriate, which I agree with. It seemed like he was thinking about that a little bit. He was like, why did that bug me so much? Yeah. Like, what their status was. Like, what does that say about me? What's wrong with me? Yeah, I think that's one way to read it. Like with most characters here, it just seems to be kind of a return to normal status. It's like, basically, the Mark thing didn't happen. So now he's back to, I'm hanging out with this Sarah lady a lot. I don't know if we're friends or another thing. So, like, I don't know if I love her as a friend or or as a other thing. All right, I'm going to say, he says, I don't know if I like her as a friend or as a lover. 
how he says it. I don't think there's another way to say it. Oh, okay. And so that's gross. Um, just a gross thing to say. What, lover? Sorry, what's the proper cadence? Lover. <laughs> that's gross when you say it like that. I really don't think there's another way to say it, Corey. Uh, try, try. Lover. See, your voice cracked because it was wrong. <laughs> just trying to make it sound sweet. Yeah, it can't. Hmm. I mean, I guess you don't have to say meat lovers pizza. <laughs> I guess you can. You probably have to now, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, I think maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't even get meat anymore, so it's yeah, not going to come up. Really making everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. Anytime ordering a pizza with meat on it. Yeah. Mm. You try saying it. Nope. Corey. We're good. All right. Um, so, so that's, that's Cyborg. <laughs> I feel like anytime any character makes any progress in any direction in this comic book, like it lasts an issue tops and then they go back to being the way that they were before, which is frustrating. And a good segue to Robin. Yes. Robin has his Jack Norris moment where he was like, for no apparent reason, I suddenly realized that I've been acting like an asshole and now I'm not going to anymore. We'll see. Yeah. He does do a really cool thing where he does a somersault through the air and then uh, kicks thunder in the back of the head with both feet. Yeah, he does that. He also plays a fun game of peekaboo with the alien. Alien peekaboo? Oh, yeah, yeah where he uses genius. his cape to, like, cover over its eye. And then uh, I guess maybe he thinks that aliens don't have object permanence and he'll just, like, forget that he was in a fight. Mm. Doesn't work, but mm. it's a cool thought. Object permanence means, like, if you cover something's eyes, then it's, it's just, like, we're not it's fighting. Like the, it's like babies don't have it yet. So, like, if you cover up their eyes, they're like, that person's gone. Oh. And you cover up their eyes, like, hey, you're here. That's great. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a fun game. That is a fun game. <laughs> Wait, Corey, you've got object permanence, right? Hey, you know that when I leave the room, I don't cease to exist. Ooh. Corey, I've got good news. Hmm. When I leave the room, I don't cease to exist. That's wonderful. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, Robin says that he was he's done being a jerk. Although, even at the point when he says that, they are in the midst of shooting lasers for no apparent reason at these two young men that they have befriended. And he starts thinking to himself, they're not saying anything despite my acting like a complete jackass, running off with Adrian Chase, breaking God knows how many laws. They're a little busy. Like, it's not like they would normal. But they should talk about me. <laughs> it's weird. Why aren't they talking about me right now and all the time? I think that's probably normal. They're doing other things. I wonder if we could just take that as assumed that that is his primary thought whenever anybody is saying anything that isn't Robin related. This toast has a lot of butter on it. Why aren't they saying anything about the fact that I like Adrian Chase? Yeah, I thought his showing was not great. I thought they tried to make it seem like we were supposed to appreciate that he was being like, yeah, I was a dick, sorry. Yeah, but it, it doesn't seem like a natural arc. It wasn't like at the end of the Adrian Chase story he had any kind of huge cathartic moment. It really was like, I'm tired of writing him being a dick, so he thinks, well, I'm not a dick anymore. That's good. Poof. Done. Return to normalcy. He also says something like, I never get to use my acrobatic powers in this group. Bullshit, dude, you use your acrobatic powers all the goddamn time. Hmm. Remember when you did all those flips over the spider? Yeah. Acrobats. That's like all you do, buddy. That's his thing. Yeah. You even bought a circus that we never got to fucking see. Yeah, that is a disappointment. I'm still pissed off we never got to... I, I'm assuming he's done with the circus now. Think he sold it or, like, franchised it out? I don't even know if he owned it or if he was just, like, a circus consultant. 
Maybe he was just like just going there to work. Spruce that circus up. Give the trapezists some pointers. Yeah, probably. Like, hey, make sure you're you guys aren't being cruel enough to those animals. Maybe poke them with a stick. Ah, uh, that wait, that's not the trapeze. There's oh. probably some multitasking going on. Oh, oh, oh. They're not on the trapeze all the time, and those animals apparently need to be poked with sticks. Well, I guess... I mean, I'm, I'm not advocating that. I'm <clears throat> just saying how circuses work. You know more about circuses than I. That's so true. Yeah. I went to one once. It was for a job that I had. But it wasn't just the circus. It was the circus's tribute to country western music. So it was like line dancing clowns. Um, ah, singing bad modern country. Ah, this was like late 90s. That doesn't sound appealing. No, it was the worst. Tara. I think Tara does pretty good in this. What does she do? She drops some rocks on the on Mr. Williams oh, yeah. later on. And earlier in it, there is just one nice moment that I kind of like where she was saving herself and you see the other Titans kind of putting their own interpretation of it because they assume that she is part of their team and so like she puts up this barrier to protect herself and wonder girl's like great job you rescued starfire Mm -hmm. way to go and i i like that i think it makes sense for the titans and for kara's infiltration of them to be aided by the other titans just putting their own motivations onto her Mm -hmm. just kind of projecting and I, i think that Kind of makes sense, and it was a nice little moment of character development. Yeah, I could see that. Starfire. She likes science a lot. Yeah, I, I think she acquits herself fine in this issue. She does what she does. She fires some star bolts. They mm-hmm. don't seem to have a ton of effect, but she flies around. She gets zapped real serious, and it looks like she's doing a crazy-ass electric slide dance move. Oh, man. There are a couple of panels. There is one where Gar is getting electrocuted. With crazy hair. And it gets his hair all, like, lightningly crazy. And that when that happens to Starfire, they do not skimp on her magic space fire hair. Mm. And it is, like, super Bride of Frankenstein flying out everywhere. It's like a cat in a dryer. It is astounding. It's like a cat in a dryer? Yeah, like, if you put a cat in a dryer, I would imagine that his hair would look like that. I feel like I've Is seen cartoons thing? of that, maybe. Oh, no. I, I haven't put a cat in a dryer. I wouldn't do that. I, I'm, I'm allergic to cats, but I, I love them. Would. They're nice creatures. Okay. I just Is that a thing? I, I feel like it's in like a Far Side cartoon or something. Oh, like, I just have be. an image in my mind of a cat that has like expanded to an enormous puffball because it was in a dryer. <laughs> okay. I don't know where it came from. That's okay. Yeah, I'm not advocating. Despite appearing to have done it (laughs) twice now, I am in no way advocating animal cruelty. (laughs) Be be nice to animals. They're they're good. Uh, Wonder Girl. Wendy. She does nice. She kicks Thunder's ass with some, like, serious martial arts ability. And she's even... There's one scene where it's crazy. She's... She flips him over her shoulder, gets uh-huh. on top, like, mounts him, does, like, ground and pound from MMA while she's thinking, like, I don't really like fighting. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. She also, though, says, like, he doesn't have any training. He just has brute strength. He does a sweet-ass axe kick on her where, like, his foot is, like, right up against his own forehead. hmm He clearly has some kind of training. You yeah. don't just do that. I tried to do that when I was a kid. 
Ian yeah. and I took the Taekwondo lessons. Yeah, and... from from <laughs> from <laughs> Master Bates. <laughs> yeah, Norman. The dude's name was Norman Bates. <laughs> this is in the eighties when Psycho was popular. See, I, I don't know. know we've talked about that on the show, but. Yeah, it's it's really a double-edged sword, because if my name was Norman Bates, I would maybe want to know a martial art. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I would probably get made fun of a lot. But I would also maybe not want to be called Master Bates. <laughs> yeah, pick one where they call you, like, Sensei or yeah. or something that's not Master. Or, or just be like, you know what, guys, just call me Norman. Yeah. Yeah, just be cool, like, first name basis. Master Bates is my dad. <laughs> anyway... Happy Father's Day! <laughs> Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day, everybody out there! Yeah. No, I I kicked myself right in the nose. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. With my knee, tra- practicing axe kicks. That is impressive. I was like 12, so I was not you know right. you're super you're, flexible yeah. when you're a kid. And I was like, Dad, look at this cool thing I learned, and I laid myself out. Oh my God, your dad loves slapstick humor. I bet he could not stop laughing. Yeah, probably not. He's like, here's some. Paper towels for the bloody nose but <laughs> while he's cracking up. Yeah, you can do an axe kick without a lot of training, I guess is my point. Okay, but it looks like he does a good job, though. Yeah, he knocks her clear across the room. Yeah, it's impressive. Indeed. All right, happy Father's Day. Happy axe <laughs> kicks. Here's to Norman Bates. <laughs> yeah, Master Bates, wherever you are. <laughs> now just a couple of little notes. Hive, what a bunch of dumb fucks. Canonically, yeah. Canonically, yes, but it is also demonstrated this in this issue. They are having a big summit, some kind of a meeting, and they're doing it via video conferencing. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that. Video conferencing, very, very difficult to set up, especially in 1983. So they're using a ton of technology and a ton of their resources to do this. But the whole point of Hyde is that they completely obscure their faces so that they all look identical. Maybe you could have just done a voice call. Good point. It just looks so dumb. They've got like this super villain lair where there's like a hundred TVs all up in a room, like a bug's eyeball, like mm-hmm. a spider's eyeball. Mm-hmm. But there are all of these identical faces where you can't, not even faces, you can't see their faces. It's these hooded robes. It's so dumb. You can kind of see their noses and some, oh, not on the TV. In the next panel, you can see all of their noses, but their noses all look the same too. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that maybe that's just part of the robe. It's no. like a Groucho type thing. Mm. 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 <laughs> or a, like, a Humpty Hump type thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Or you've just Which got, is... like, a false nose that is affixed to the front of the robe. Is that not a Groucho nose that he had on in the video? Well, it didn't have the mustache or glasses, so I, I think it's only the Groucho nose if it has the eyebrows and the nose and the oh. mustache. That's a shame, because I remember, I want to remember him wearing <laughs> the whole Groucho getup, but I guess that's just not... I don't think he case. did. I don't think he did either. I saw him play with the P-Funk All-Stars. It was a very bad show. Mm. Disappointing. So yeah, Hive is a bunch of dumb fucks, and they didn't give us the acronym that Hive is for in this. I'm assuming they're hoping that I will forget, because they tried to change it last time. Mm -hmm. But I know that it is still Hierarchy of International Vengeance and Eliminations. Mm -hmm. Or the Spicy Poop Rankers. Spicy poop rankers. Mm-hmm. Mm. I am forgotten. Never forget. Never forget. All right, we've been dancing around this issue when Mr. Williams is in full alien monster form. Wow. They gave him one of everything. Yeah. 
He's a real half a Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're putting this monster together. Which pieces should we use? I don't know, all of them. He's got the one big eyeball. Yep, gotta have that. That is surrounded by lips. For some reason. He's got tusks. He's got a vagina mouth. Mm-hmm. He's got an exposed brain on his back in like some kind of like a glass shell type of thing. Yep. Which we were discussing this earlier. Do you think that that is an actual brain or is that like some kind of a camouflage device and that that's like a... Probably a decoy brain. Yeah, probably decoy brain. Oh yeah. man, I wish we had decoy brains. Why? I don't know, in case we ever get into a fight with the Titans. She's like, hit, spend hit. all their time trying to hit that brain and I'll just be like, my real brain's in my head, you dummies. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Take that, Wally. <laughs> he's got a big old monster tail. Big tail. And he's got these weird, like, squid tentacles, too. Yeah, like the ones on a displacer beast. Yeah. What's that from? That's a D&D thing. Displacer beast? It's like a panther with a bunch of those tentacles that look like that growing out of its back. Well, that sounds pretty badass. Pretty big. How's too. his brain looking? Uh, inside. Mm. No decoy. Mm. Well... Pretty good monster still sounds like. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Could use a decoy brain. Yeah. Make it harder to hit. So this monster can also shoot lasers out of its face. Yeah. Where are those lasers coming from anyway? It's I. I wasn't sure if I was misremembering that just because it's a cyclops. It's tough to tell. They're coming from his head. He might be shooting them out of his mouth because he only seems to shoot him when his back is turned to us. Mm-hmm. It's a weird-looking creature, but I think it's a pretty good alien, actually. Looks kind of like a He-Man bad guy that has, like, a ton of extra accessories. Very muscular. Yeah, yeah, super beefy. Mm-hmm. Like, big beefy arms and legs, too. Weird-looking dude. Agreed. You ready to get into the minutiae? I think we should. All right. Rick, would you sing us in? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. So what do you feel like starting with? Let's talk about all the fun sounds. This issue was chock full of sound effects. It really was. Way more so than normal, I feel. So there's a couple that are similar that both sound like the word bathroom that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. We have a bathroom mm-hmm. and we have a barathoom. Mm. Both of them sounds like fun ways to say bathroom. One is made by Thunder. I think Thunder makes the bathroom. And that is an especially fun panel because the rays of an explosion are shooting through the O's in the word. Very clever. Very good. But his dad makes the noise barathoom. Do you think his mom makes the noise bathroom? (laughs) It would be logical. Yeah, makes sense. Mm. What other noises did you enjoy? I really liked the punching noise. Wook! <laughs> Wook is a fun punch noise. It doesn't sound real punchy, but it sure is fun to see. There's a few noises that I couldn't tell what they were supposed to be necessarily, but I did like that they were there. I think my favorite, because I got to make up a little story for why it was there, is when Beast Boy is hit with a piece of shrapnel and is knocked out in the fight with Mr. Williams. He gets hit with a blast in the face and it makes a squeak sound. And then he gets hit with a piece of the shrapnel, and there's a noise effect that's just, ack, Which leads me to believe that 
Kathy is trying on swimsuits in the background, or else Bill the Cat has stopped by for a visit. Hmm. Maybe Kathy is upset with Bill the Cat's antics, so it is a double synchronized ack. Whoa. Yeah. That's a heavy sound effect. That Irving's a real piece of shit in the Kathy comics. All I remember is Kathy from the Kathy comics. Yeah, well, she was the star of the show. Hmm. Irving was her uh, piece of shit uh, on-again, off-again fiancé. Oh. He was a real guy's guy. Boy, did he hate commitment. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Fucking Irving. Any other sound effects? I liked on page 19, the spa crash. When you gotta crash a spa, (laughs) it goes, spa crash. That's true. We haven't crashed any spas in a while. Sure. We just show up with our own cucumbers to put over our eyeballs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. Is be like, what? I was invited. Hmm. Corey, we weren't invited. Bring your own robes. Like, yeah, man. Show up ready to party. Yeah, man. Cucumbers and robes. Just spa crashing. All right. It's a date. That was a handshake. Yeah, that handshake doesn't make a great sound effect. <laughs> Perhaps moving from something where we had a lot to choose from to something where we have very little to choose from. Yes. We could talk about clothes sartorially speaking i suspect we may have the same choice what instances of fashion did you feel were worthy of comment i was going to pick the same one you had but then we were talking about it and then i knew that you had picked it so i tried to find something different oh okay well the one that i found that i i just had trouble finding another was mr williams underpants and uh belt Mm mm-hmm it's a good look for a space monster. Sure. Just, uh, you know, it's movable. Peregr- it's got a hole cut out for his giant tail. Pair of green briefs. Yep. With a brown with a belt. Brown belt with a, like, stone buckle, it looked like. Some big Almost round. like kind of caveman-y. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he looks like kind of a He-Man action figure. Very much. But it, it is kind of goofy that they bothered putting underpants on him. Yep. What, what else did you find? Well, this was a bit of a stretch, but uh, the aforementioned scientist slash doctor woman that didn't know how to use the laser or what it did or why they were doing anything with it. All she knew for sure was, when in doubt, shoot a laser at a teen. Right. So she's got the usual doctor get up, the lab coat and all, which on its own is not super interesting. But there is one panel where the neck part and the sleeves part of her sweater is exposed and it's a bright green sweater and she has bright red hair and mm. it's a nice christmas color is contrast very so nice i picked the doctor slash scientist also wearing a fairly short cut skirt under the lab coat that too yeah. interesting approach to science mm-hmm. all around well done science lady do we learn her name i'm gonna take a look dr clyburn clyburn fair enough mm. all right so, Good luck, Dr. Clyburn. Nice work. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not in terms of doing your job. You're spectacularly bad at that. But in terms of dressing nice, kind of. Good sweater choice. In terms of sweater choice, you're a great doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to something else that there were kind of slim pickings of. Okay. As we mentioned... Beast Boy has, like, one line in this comic book, and he spends most of it being knocked out in fights, mm-hmm. so kind of tough to find a timestamp. He generally provides most of those. What did you end up with? Oh, man, this is lame. It was a stretch. And the stretch that I came up with was that there was a fair amount of talk about the Vietnam War. Okay. Which they placed in the 60s. 
Sure. Pretty, you have the whole time period to work with. And the fact that the boys then were between, the Thunder and Lightning guys are somewhere between 15 and maybe 19 years of age. Yeah. That was the timestamp. Gotcha. Yeah, like you said, there really wasn't much to choose from, and mine is a stretch in a different direction. I decided to, and I've done this once before, and I know that it's not really in the spirit of this category, but A, Beast Boy didn't say shit in this issue, and he's where the timestamps usually come from, Mm -hmm. and two, this really stood out at me. We have an ad in the comic book for a Kool-Aid Man video game for the Atari 2600 or Intellivision. Oh, wow. And it is dope looking. It is, as near as I can tell, you just burst Kool-Aid Man through walls. Mm-hmm. That looks like a pretty fun game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, I know we've brought this up before, but I love the idea that both Kool-Aid Man and Macho Man Randy Savage have just forgotten something. Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 amnesiacs, so every time that they say "oh yeah," it's because they just remembered something. <laughs> so he bursts through the wall. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just remembered. I'm not supposed to burst through walls. Mm. That's a load bearing wall." Oh shit! And then you get Macho Man Randy Savage like constantly remembering that he hates Hulk Hogan. He's like, "Oh yeah, Hulk Hogan, I'm gonna kick your butt." Oh yeah. <laughs> I was doing a pretty good uh, Macho Man Randy Savage finger gesture. Oh, thank you. One does what one can. The impression was very much subpar. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes? Oh, yeah. What did you remember? Uh, I also hate Hulk Hogan. Oh. He's pretty racist. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There we go. Corey, what was your favorite panel? Oh, shit. This was tough. Yeah. We did already talk about the bathroom sound effects, and the I did have <laughs> the the one where the, the beams are shooting through the O's and the bathroom sound. It's really cool looking. It is a super cool panel. But I think my favorite is on page six, and I called it Electric Starfire. It is a weird panel, man. It is Starfire being electrocuted by lightning's powers, and her hair is crazy man and also her butt is super shiny it looks like she's doing a crazy dance yeah it totally does because yeah she's kind of clawing at the air it is a very stylized panel and it is one of the ones that kind of lets you know this is not george perez Mm -hmm. that being said it's pretty cool looking i had that as one of mine too and i did also have the previous one of uh beast boy being similarly electrocuted and Golly, his hair just looks like a spiky cotton ball. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I think, though, that my favorite panel is on page 13, and it is when they are fighting Raven's soul self as it has been taken over by Mr. Williams. And what's really fun about that is that it is an homage to the first appearance of the Justice League, where they are fighting a giant starfish. The positions are really similar. I'm going to show you a picture of it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, and I just thought that was a really fun touch. You can see, like, Cyborg's in the Martian Manhunter position. Starfire's in the Green Lantern position. Terra is in the Aquaman position. Wonder Girl is in the Wonder Woman position. And then uh, Kid Flash is in the Flash position. It's pretty fun. That is pretty fun. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just 
I enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice little touch and a nice little nod. In addition to the touch and nod, I also liked the first reveal of Mr. Williams in his monster form on page 19. And we talked about the character design of it, but when you first see that thing, it is just like, whoa! Mm -hmm. And you see uh, Gannon Tavis, who at one point his brother erroneously refers to him as Travis in the comic book. Oh no. But one of them exclaims, that is our father! It seems like there should be a question mark in there. But that's gotta be rough to think that like, oh geez, when I get older, am I gonna look like that? It just doesn't make any damn sense. My body just went through one set of changes. Mm. Will it go through another? Like that? Yuck. Yucko indeed. But cool looking panel and just super over the top monster design that I kind of dug. Not bad. Corey? Yes? I have a suggestion. What's that? I move that we take this party to the bow zone. Very good. Corey? In this issue, what instance of a character either literally or metaphorically referring to another character as a bozo would you like to highlight? I would like to highlight both because we have... We get a double natural bozo, both of them coming from Cyborg. Thank you, Cyborg. Oh boy, oh boy. Indeed. Yes, on page four, in Gar's one line in the issue, he says, Vic, watch out, two by four, coming right at ya. And Cyborg's response is, So, Bozo here ain't so tough. Nothing I can't. Wook. Then he gets punched. He gets wooked. He gets wooked. Something fierce. Wooked out. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the comic, when they infiltrate Hive headquarters, one of the Hive spicy poop rankers says, They're evading our defensive weapons. Now they're directly outside our fortress. Cyborg has apparently been playing his Kool-Aid Man video game and picked up some pointers. He Kool-Aid Mans his way through the wall and says, Wrong, bozo! We're inside! Mm -hmm. Oh yeah! Incidentally, that's where the spa crash is happening. Indeed, they crashed Hive Spa. That they did. Brought their own cukes. Own robes. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet they can just take some of uh, Hive's robes. Mm. They got a lot of robes. They probably get extra. Yeah, and they got those fun noses in them. Oh, yeah, nose robes. Yeah, good times. Mm -hmm. So, double natural bozo. Tough to argue with that. Can't beat it. No, sir. Corey, in this issue, as in every issue of a Teen Titans comic, there is an Aqualad, the greatest of Teen Titans, and also a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, who was your... Speedy. In this issue, it may surprise you. Yes? Not really. My Speedy was Wally. That is completely understandable. I think I don't even need to explain it because we spent so much time talking about it earlier. Uh, Yeah, and really, lately in every issue, it's the same old song and dance. (sighs) Go home and carve that turkey. Leave Raven alone. Yeah, just fucking go home. You quit. You can't just keep hanging around. It's the rules. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he doesn't know what quitting means. Mm, he's a bad quitter. You hear people say, I don't know the meaning of the word quit. I think that might literally be the case for Wally. It might. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I very nearly had Wally as mine. But for all of the terrible, terrible things that he did in this issue, there is one thing that Wally did not do. Hmm. And that is use the word 
lover. <laughs> so, because Cyborg used the word lover, he is, in fact, the worst of Teen Titans. Oh, that's funny, man. I didn't he is know the you, speedy. I did not know you hated that word so It is much. a terrible word. That's good to know. Yeah. Conversely, who did you have as your Aqualad? Who is the greatest of Teen Titans? Again, this, this came up a bit in the conversation earlier, but I went with Raven. As did I. Good self-realization and wanting to do something to help your buddies out. Yeah, and like I said, just a clarification of her character and why she continues to use her powers to help people despite the potential risk, not just to herself but to the universe, made sense. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I had the same one. All right. All right, all right, all right. Well, Corey, that leaves me with but one final question I must put to you. Mm-hmm. Wapoot! Ah. Corey, in the year of our Lord, 1983, and the month of our Lord, November, what was Aqualad probably up to? Couple things. Yeah? Yeah. What were those two things? Well, one thing that he was up to was consuming a piece of really, let's say, heavy media that bummed him out. And then the other side of that coin was consuming a piece of other media, not so heavy, to lift his spirits. All right. What was the first? So the first was, and I don't know if you remember this from, you're probably way too little, but maybe it came on as a rerun. But, you know, throughout the the Reagan years, the Cold War, like the threat of nuclear annihilation loomed large and uh, was a big part of the the popular culture at the time and there was this uh tv movie about nuclear war called the day after i am familiar with it i did not see it at the time i was very young and we also didn't really have a tv until i was like 10 it was a fucking bummer man so this thing came on with like a warning at the beginning that's like this is gonna scar your children probably don't let them watch it but it's educational so they should because the russians are bad right and, and, like, yeah, families all over the, the U.S. tuned into this thing. So Aqualad's like, I'm just flipping channels. And he's like, oh, what? this warning probably means it'll be good. And then just, like, riveted, you know, watched the whole thing and left it just feeling very uncomfortable. So this movie is uh, what happens after a nuclear war. Right, yeah, yeah, U.S. gets, gets blown up. Yeah. Basically. So then... As he often does when he's bummed out and mm-hmm. swims over to Tower Records. Sure. And is browsing the aisles. It's so, nice that they built that, like, one in the middle of the bay. Yeah, yeah. It's convenient for him. <laughs> I understand it didn't last very long, but... Yeah, well, it's like the rest of the chain didn't yeah. didn't make it. But um, he, he picked up a, a single, which is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh. Which came out, and that just really took the edge off, you know. A little weird that it came out in November, like you'd think they should have hit October for Halloween <laughs> yeah. and everything, but there you have it. Well, I think it's important to keep the spirit of Halloween in your heart all year round. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's what Aqualad was probably up to? It's it's uh, some of what he was probably up to, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, you're, you're right in that there was, in fact, more that he was up to, because after he was kind of freaked out by the day after tomorrow, tried to cheer himself up. With Thriller, he started to get kind of spooked by Thriller. It is it's pretty, pretty spooky. spooky. It has Vincent Price on there. It's pretty spooky. It's and spooky so Aqualad wasn't sure what to ha- what to do, how to handle this like anxiety that he was feeling. And so he talked to some of the hippie friends he met when he was wet and wild. And they were <laughs> like, dude, 
you gotta get high. Uh-oh. And Aqualad is not a real counterculture type, despite dressing up as a hippie and calling himself wet and wild. Mm-hmm. He's a rule follower, but he did want to try to calm down and relax after being freaked out by uh, Day After Tomorrow and uh, that scary, scary thriller video. Mm -hmm. So he decided he had to go someplace where it wouldn't be illegal for him to smoke some doobie. Oh. So he headed over to Amsterdam. (laughs) Okay. It had recently been decriminalized there, Mm. and so... uh, Sat himself down in a cafe, got some high CBD, low THC, so he wouldn't be too freaked out. Yep, yep. But he kind of got the doses a little bit mixed up. So oh, no. he ended up getting a little bit higher than he intended to. Oh. Now, there had recently been, this is late November, by the time he makes it over there, gets his passport cleared up, gets through customs and everything. This is like around November 30th. There had been some events going on. A certain gentleman named Freddie Heineken, oh, the, uh, the beer man, the owner of Heineken Beers, and his driver, Ab Doderer. Mm. That was a fun name. So they got kidnapped and held for ransom by some notorious Dutch gangsters. Aqualad didn't know anything about that. Okay. All he knew was that he was kind of high. He was pretty much enjoying himself. Wasn't freaked out about Thriller anymore. And he was wandering the streets of Amsterdam. So when he saw a character that he thought he recognized the silhouette of, he yelled out, Beaky! But it was not Beaky that he saw. It was, in fact, Willem Holderer. Or, as he was known in criminal circles, the nose. Because oh. of his enormous nose. Oh, my. Aqualad spooked that dude as he was trying to collect the $35 million ransom. And the crooks ended up fleeing the scene before they got a chance to release or probably more likely execute their hostages. So the transfer of money went and later on the criminals were captured. But it was uh, Aqualad's untimely exclamation that helped facilitate these events and forced them to flee perhaps before they were ready. And that is what Aqualad was probably up to. Well, cheers to you, Aqualad. Mm-hmm, and jeers to the nose. Oh. Don't kidnap beer barons. Don't kidnap anybody. Yeah! Yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> so many lessons today. Boy. Don't shoot hub. Don't kidnap anybody. Uh-huh. There are probably some others. The Earth is Space's Basement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that little <laughs> nugget. Oh, Yeah! Gosh, see, we are really earning that educational tag that I have granted us. <laughs> I should hope so. We have to. Mm-hmm. We it. helped that person answer a question on a test. Mm-hmm. And, that uh, one person that one time. Yep. <laughs> That's all it takes. Corey, if this podcast can help just one person deal with a test, <laughs> then it's all been worthwhile. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's touch and go there for a minute. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. This was... A ton of fun. Mm-hmm. I had a very good time, and I hope that you had a pretty good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the hell? If we're just hoping, I hope you had the best time you've ever had in your life. Nope, that's sad. Um, <laughs> I hope you had a good time. Yeah. 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 Enjoyed the show. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to get into touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. If you would like to contribute to the show financially and uh, ensure its continued success, you can do so at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. You can find us on 
Tumblr. We are on Twitter at TTWasteland underscore. And uh, Lisa has started an Instagram page for the show mm-hmm. that is nice, I hear. And so you can check that out, too. Yeah, man. Just uh, keep on keeping on. Thank you. Oh, yeah! Don't shoot who. Don't shoot me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. And they knew it. I'm telling you, man, if some fool out there is just wasting all their marketing money, they should just pay us to sit around and make sounds and <laughs> eventually something yeah. pretty awesome. Oh, is man. Come out of I mean, you got to sift through that shit. Products. But there's, there's gold in them there, us. Products, <laughs> slogans, jingles. All of it. You name it. Yeah, one stop shop. got it. Yeah, it's in, got, it's in there somewhere. It's just, you just gotta get out your gold panning sifter. Uh huh. Get to work. We're like a two man, a hundred monkeys with typewriters. <laughs> you just gotta wait for us to type out Hamlet. Oh, we'll get there. Burroughs. What? William S. Burroughs, wasn't that like the one where people were like. Well, I guess if you had a hundred William Burroughs with a hundred typewriters, <laughs> they'd probably come up with Hamlet too. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably kill a few people but oh you know probably like manslaughter not like actual yeah. murder, murder well either way you got you got a body count okay let's not do that all right fine put the cloning will... machine away sorry i guess and the time machine yeah and this william burrow's toe <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think i got ripped off anyway i'm pretty sure that's edgar rice burrow's toe oh i know Flea markets. Gosh. Yeah, you got what you pay for. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I hope so. I do. And joining us once again.